0: If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you like movies, you'll love the 430 movie, where an expert panel of filmmakers curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies every Friday wherever you listen to Inglorious Trexperts. And some of our operatives are Vulcans. Hey, are you Darren Doctorman from the 430 movie? Why, why, yes, I am. Well, I recognize you because I have the Electric Now app, and I get to see all these great electric surge. Podcasts on video for the first time ever. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that uh, you came up to me and said hello. Well, I got to tell you, how can I watch all these incredible podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, other things?
1: Well, you can find us on uh, Distro and on uh,
0: uh, the Electric Now app and Stir. And stir see, I I, I knew you knew it. I did know. Because I'm not really a stranger (laughs) on the street. I'm Mark A. Altman, your (laughs) co-host. Well, maybe I should have been watching these podcasts all along. I would have recognized you. Join us on Electric Now, currently streaming on Distro TV and Stir and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission is... Out in paperback now. And if you can't read, the audiobook is still available.
1: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Experts.
0: And have we got a show for you today? It's going to be quite the show. First, I want to introduce you. You're saying, "What is it?" Well, you're about to find out. But first, I want to introduce uh, back here, special guest, a returning champion, Mister Ashley Miller, writer for such movies as Thor, X Men: First Class, and A Rankin Tour: First Class. So uh, good to have you back, Ashley. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) So uh, now we have it's not often you get to say we've had oscar winners but we haven't had icons on the show before we have a not just a star trek icon because some of us used to watch him on chips too so you know he's more than just a star trek icon but he he's been in more episodes of star trek than any other actor uh he is um had quite a career outside of star trek um, as well as uh, this time of year, you may know him from the Santa Claus movies. You may know him from uh, secret projects that we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 know him from a lot of things, and uh, he has one of the most uh, distinctive voices. And uh, for battle, come to him. Uh, it is the great, and we're so thrilled to have him, Michael Dorn. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, You're welcome. I, I I I kidded around when I said chips, but it must have, you know it's interesting because you got a taste of what. Fame, celebrity, all that was when. Because people forget. I mean, Chips was a huge show. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the cult of Eric and.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I I was. It was, of course, it was the first kind of big thing that I did in the business. And um, although. I I wasn't part of that fame and fortune and all that type of stuff, but I was sort of like in the room. Right. You know, where it happens. And I really could observe uh, what happens. And, uh, you know, for for me, it's not about, oh, wow, you know, one day I want to be that. It was just like, oh, this is how the business works. Right, right. Oh, (laughs) I see, you know, and the inner workings and the producers and the studio and all that stuff was just. Uh, mind-boggling.
0: Well, Universal at the time was such a fascinating place because, of course, they called it the factory mm-hmm. because it literally was that. I mean, they had more shows in TV shows in production on the lot than virtually. You know, as now it's all in Vancouver and Toronto and. Actually,
2: all I have to correct you.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was it was MGM. Columbia. Oh, it was MGM. It was MGM. Ah, which
2: same thing. You could just flip. You know, take out uh, Universal and put in. MGM, uh, because when I got there, it was still MGM Studios. Right, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, nothing had changed, uh, which was fantastic because, you know, I love old movies and I'm a big fan of of all of that, you know, studios and producers and in the old days. And um, it was all there. It was still all there. I mean, you know, the same old, you know, rooms and the same old buildings. And there was a couple of people that had been there for like 50 years, you Mm -hmm. know, that are still there. So it was... It was it was amazing,
1: and the dust from Munchkinland was still in the rafters. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean it was it was literally that that um, that transition period. Is yeah.
0: this was the Culver City lot before they sold it to Columbia Sony? Oh uh, yeah, Columbia, and then Columbia got bought by Sony. Columbia, yeah,
2: exactly that. And I was gone, after, and it was Lorimar before.
0: before that. Oh, that's right. It was mm-hmm. it was pretty, that's right um, uh,
2: before that. Uh, well, actually. Um, well, there was two studios there, right? There was. Um, there they, they, was MGM, right? And then there was one there that was, was close. Culver, yeah, Culver, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: which used to be the forty acres lot. Yeah. It used to be that Desilu and used owned. to be Selznick. But before that, it was Selznick, it was Selznick, and, yeah. and they had built Tara there, and mm-hmm. of course, the, the original Star Trek pilots shot, Were there, shot there, there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um,
2: so, but it was it was still a um, amazing thing. And when I started working at at Paramount, mm-hmm. Paramount was still Paramount, right? Like. From the from the twenties and thirties. I mean still had Nicodels and mm-hmm. and everything right there. So so I was fortunate to work at two studio two iconic studios that before they changed.
0: Right. He, he, you know, so I remember Darren was talking about how exciting it was to work on Voyager, not because he was working on Voyager, but because he was in the office from Sunset Boulevard, right, where the D girl mm-hmm. uh, worked, and yeah, you know, where Cecil B. DeMille drove down, and that's right where you guys were working week exactly. after yeah. week, exactly. Sunset Boulevard Alley, mm-hmm. which exactly. is, uh, you know, for for somebody who is a a fan like yourself of of, of classic movies. It's, it's got to be. I mean, just amazing to you know pinch yourself to you oh, know yeah. walk on those lots every day. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, and MGM, not MGM, but uh, Paramount. When I got there, uh, the main gate was still the Paramount gate, right? Mm-hmm. And that was it. There was nothing else there except apartments across the street right. from it. I mean, it was just you drove up the little alley and there's the gate, and it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was quite the
1: before they built the theater. Before they built oh, any of that,
2: no, there was yeah. nothing there. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing there. It was still apartments and stuff.
0: Yeah, and uh, now before, look, I, before before you ended up on chips, I know one what, what of my favorite uh, credits that uh, that I don't think you're in the credits for, but you were the bodyguard for mm-hmm. Carl Weathers, uh, Apollo Creed, and Rocky. Yeah, and you know, which what, what an introduction to Hollywood that must have been.
2: Same thing. It was. Um, it, on on the other side, the flip side of that, um, where chips was a success, uh, the studios, the producers, nobody wanted that show. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted that movie. They they just they gave it to John Avildsen to direct, right. and he was like, "This was his last chance." You know, I mean, yeah. he wasn't doing very well yeah. in terms of you know uh, getting uh, winners, and so they gave it to him. And and um, uh, interesting. Cut to many many years later. I'm I, I got an uh, part on the show called Shade,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and Stallone was uh, the lead. It was about poker players, mm-hmm. and so we're a bunch of poker players, and we're sitting around. and I'm sitting next to him. I said, "I got to tell you a little story," and I told him a story. and He and I he says, "Really?" I said, "Oh yeah." And I just remember during the fight scene, uh, all the stuff, which is I take I think it took maybe a week to shoot that fight scene. Mm-hmm. And he was on the table between takes, getting a massage, and writing and rewriting right. the script like crazy. Wow. That's, that's impressive. And, uh, and I said, I just remember that nobody wanted it. And he says, let me tell you a story. <laughs> There's an old thing in the business. You know, Well, we're going to pull the plug at 12 o'clock or whatever the case. They had a guy that was actually near the generator for the lights that was gonna pull the plug. Oh man. If he did one more take of this one scene. <laughs> literally like this. And uh and I went, you're joke, he says no. And I said, and a billion dollars later.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so and, and quite a career later. I mean a career.
2: so it was it was it I, I I got to see some some really iconic things happening in the business that uh, that was that were very helpful to me uh when I got Star Trek.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people who are listening may Stantra, not know the, yeah. the story with Stallone, is that, I mean, he didn't have a dollar to his name, and he wrote the script, and people wanted to buy it, and he said, I'm not going to sell it unless I can be in it. and uh, Which is a risk. A huge risk. It's a, it's a huge risk. so Because, you know, the studio's going to be like, who the hell do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, it changed his life, obviously. I mean, and uh, it changed movies. I mean, to 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 go from, you know, not being able to afford bus fare to winning an Oscar... Mm. Extraordinary, and it, Rambo, and, know, and, and, and Rambo, and Rambo's
2: movies, and st- and you know, and Rocky is still going on. Yeah,
0: yeah, and arguably it's as, as good as it ever was. To see a franchise, you know, to start sort of the apex, and then you know the the, the lows that it descended to by sure. the time you get to Rocky Five, and then the way he you know it rebounded with not only Rocky Balboa but with Creed. You got to,
2: I mean, Star Trek has a sort of you know, uh, endured,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but that Rocky franchise is just as enduring. I mean, you're talking about that was 40, 45 years ago, right. 46 years ago, and still going on. I mean, okay.
0: And and Rocky has gone through some of the same eddies and currents where, you know, you go from highs to lows, and Star Trek has very much mirrored that. You know, you sure. have the highs of the original, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, which we all love, and, uh, you know, then some lows, and, that, you know... It's, it's it's really interesting to, to see. So um, you did Rocky, mm-hmm. and you're on a, a big set, big, you know, Philadelphia, I assume, or were you here? No, was I was here? just here at, it MGM, was here at MGM. At MGM, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, it was your foot in the door. But before that, you were in a band, weren't you? Was that? Yeah, uh, yeah. At,
2: at, at that same time, I was uh, playing in bands all over L.A., uh, bass player, and it was... A real toss-up between music and and acting, mm. because acting was rough um, when you're not a star or when you're not a principal actor. They treat you kind of like dirt, right. uh, which is which I never liked. I mean, you know, I, I never went. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go through that to to. Yeah. Are you it builds character. Me? No, no. no. I was like, <laughs> who do you think you're talking to? And um, but the music was really hard too. Mm-hmm. And so it came down to a day when we had a a gig in San Diego and we drove all the way down there and we played in those days you played like four or five sets mm-hmm. a night and we played four sets and they said we want another set. Well, you got to pay us extra for that. No, we're not going to pay you and we're not going to pay you what we owed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went OK, I think I'm going to go to acting, yeah. you know, <laughs> because at least acting, you depend on yourself.
0: Right, right. There is
2: no, you know, you have the, the union and and they're very good. No matter what anybody says, the union really makes a, a huge difference.
0: You don't get stiffed.
2: You don't yeah, get stiffed. Yeah, yeah. And if you And if, if there's a problem, you can go to them and they will point you in the right direction. I mean, so, so I said, uh, yeah, I, OK, that's it. You know, and I put my uh, bass and amp in the car and drove back to L.A. and that was it.
0: <laughs> do you still, did you keep playing after that just for your own enjoyment? Or? I played, um,
2: there was, you know, just kind of off and on. But there was a, a group that I that I got together with, Bobby Bauer and and uh, a couple other guys that um, uh, once, or it was twice. Every summer during hiatus, we would get together and, and put together this little band and try to do something. Uh, but that was many, many years ago. But I still play, but I just don't play. Right. Professionally at all, right? You
0: play for your, for, for, for myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like Woody Young. Do you do a re, you don't do a residency at the Carlisle every year? Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> no. Oh my god, I'd love to do
2: something like that, but no, no,
0: not. At I all. would have rather seen that in the Deep Space Nine documentary than Max singing. I got to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but now that's, uh, look, it's, Mm -hmm. and, and, and then, you know, so you're bopping around, Mm -hmm. you know, you you come off chips, Mm -hmm. going on auditions. Mm -hmm. And uh, when did you first, uh, you know, I mean, your agent came to you with Star Trek and said, oh, they're doing this new Star Trek. And it's so fascinating because of course, I don't know if the story is apocryphal. I don't think it is, but you know, Patrick would talk about how he didn't even unpack his suitcase because he said, yeah, "We'll do one season. We're done. I'm back in Britain Always doing uh, BBC yeah. again." I mean, there's no way this first-run syndicated series is going to last. People forget. I mean, this was on channels that were like nobody watched mm-hmm. it was the local channels and yeah. uh, nobody understood what do you mean it's not on abc or NBC or back f-
1: when there're still things called antennas folks yeah <laughs> i know i know and, and, and not in your phone
0: and right. to, you know and uh, you also were in a role that if i'm not mistaken and i might be was originally recurring it wasn't you weren't were you were you every booked for every no, episode it was
2: it was it was a it was a also starring okay. you know with the other guys right uh, because uh, if you look at the first episodes, I mean, you can you don't have to listen, you don't have to believe me about this, but all the credits always said and starring Lavar Burton, mm-hmm. Michael Dorn, blah blah blah. Uh, so it was not a recurring, and, and people have talked about that, but no, it was what they didn't know was was what the hell they were going to do with the guy. You know? Right, right. That's the only thing they didn't know, and that took about it took about a, a half a year. Before it really sort of like led them into this place that uh, I think they were pleasantly surprised that that happened. See? I mean, part of the thing was um, uh, Denise leaving. Right Denise Crosby left. Uh, that it was it was already headed in a really positive direction, but her leaving, I think they were kind of sitting around going, "God, you know, Denise is leaving. We got to get another." Security chief, God, who do we pick? He's got to be big, he's got to be strong, he's got to be, you know, tough. Uh, you know, I mean, right. I think it really was like that. They go, oh, my God, wait a minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they they probably were just like, of course. And um, But I got to tell you just a little back thing that after Chips, uh, when I left the show, the phone never rang, and it was a rough Three years, really rough. Three years because um, I was—I left the show, and it was very popular. And it really didn't have anything to do with it being a rough time, but when it's over, it's over.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, when when you're the day you leave, you know, some, they're they're scratching out your name mm-hmm. on
0: the on the parking, yeah, your thing. dressing room and your parking lot, are... Oh, yeah, parking spot are gone and
2: everything. Yeah, uh, they used to have a uh, these guys. Uh, who were uh, NBC publicity, and it was just like a, a, a rich uncle, because every birthdays, Christmas, every they'd always send you these beautiful presents, and TVs, and, and Tiffany things. I mean, it was just incredible. And the day that I wasn't on the show, it was like never heard from him again. Right. Mm. And so that kind of went. Oh, that's how I show see. business works. Yeah, got it. No problem. You know? That's the. So anyway, and uh, I had, I had loved Star Trek from the original, so I I knew what it was. And when I heard they were doing uh, a Next Generation, I called my agents and managers who were doing really really well at the time, and I said, Look, can you get me an audition? I really want to do this. And they called and they said, No, it's already cast. Hmm. We're done. Mm-hmm. If there's anything else, we'll give you a call. And that was it. I just kind of like went on to the next thing because I was doing fairly well at that point. A lot of auditions, a lot of jobs. So I was, you know, really happy with what was going on. And then two weeks later, they called and said, look, we want to see you for the part of a Klingon and that's basically how it started.
0: Now how did you feel about that when you heard you were auditioning for Klingon? Obviously, you were a fan of the original, so you knew what that meant. You you suspected maybe it's a goatee and, you know... uh, uh, Oh, no, you knew what it was because uh, the the movies
2: had been gone for for a long time. And we knew what the Klingons were looking like from the movies.
0: How, so. how did you feel about it being? I mean, a lot of people say mask work is very liberating. I mean, Renee would talk about totally. that at length. Yeah. Did, did you have any concerns about the fact that you'd be wearing a prosthetic, or did you embrace it when you, when they came to you and said, "Oh, you're going to be a Klingon"? Well,
2: first thing, you, you were you were offered a job. Yeah. right.
0: <laughs> that's that's
2: number one. And anybody, I think all of us were. We didn't care what they did to us. Right. You know, it, it was it was like the promise of a pilot. First yeah. of all, which is good money, uh, and you know if it goes like Patrick was saying, a year, make some money, have about five hundred dollars in the bank, yeah. we're fine. Uh, so, uh, but I did know uh, that it would be liberating, but I embraced it. That was fine.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, but I just knew that. There would be, it would be a double-edged at the end, double-edged sword at the end of it, which is either you take off the mask and you got a whole new career, or that's all you're known for, mm-hmm. or the other one is you've been in a mask for two, three years and nobody knows you. You're like you don't even have any credits, you know? right? So all of those things are possible, but I, I figured I, I love the idea and. and I'm a big fan of the old Klingons from the original, so I was like, "Going, you bet! This is—they <laughs> were great."
0: Now, when you know, Star Trek was going through its growing pains early mm-hmm. on. Um, and, you know, obviously, there's the famous revolving door of writers, and, and you know, even you know, Gene was sort of on the fence about having a Klingon. You know, as an original Star Trek fan, because it was you know, all the fans were saying, "Without Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, you don't have me." You know, so sort of what was your take on? what, you know, in those early days of Star Trek, I mean, did you find, you know, feel it was finding its space legs? Were you comfortable? Were you just, you know, kind of, where was you, or were you just happy to have a gig and weren't worrying about that?
2: Uh, actually, I was I was happy to have a gig. Yeah. I really didn't, and I think, I'll speak for myself, I don't want to speak for my friends, but I really wasn't thinking about that, you know? I mean, it was just, just very happy to have a gig. I knew that that we were running up against uh, a lot of resistance in the Star Trek fandom world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you don't have bloggers and people like that now, right. uh, back then that, uh, that they have now. So, whenever we do uh, interviews uh, leading up to the premiere, we always got this kind of animosity about who do you think you are, <laughs>
3: you know? right, right,
2: sure. mean, We're like going, uh, an actor. You know, doing right to a job was that surprising, <laughs> right. huh?
1: Was that surprising?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. For me, it was surprising because, you know, I I understood that um, that there was, you know, the fandom is very intense and they have their favorites and, um, but I, I was a little surprised that they wouldn't go, hey, let's see what this is about, right. because of course. Star Trek is about acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and these guys right. were not very accepting. So it was one of those things where you kind of went, "Oh, okay." Uh, but but that was the first season was um, the only thing I thought was we did a show called um, Code of Honor, mm-hmm. and probably the worst episode. That Star Trek has ever done. I mean, I'm i talking about from the original to yeah. End. Just, yeah. It it was. Tracy Torment calls it the Amos and Andy episode. Oh yeah. God, I, I wasn't in it, and there wasn't any reason for that. It was just they just didn't write me in the show. Right. But I saw it, and I was going, we're not going to last.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: we it's just not going to work. You know. The, uh, but luckily, we were finding our way. And we kind of got over that, but that was that was the only concern that I had at that point. <laughs> it's like I'm going, whoa, mm. you know. Um, it's funny thing we did the Star Trek cruise. They have these really pretty nice cruises, and Denise Crosby and I decided to do Star Trek deconstructing, or deconstructing Star Trek. And we the, we did first year, and we did the that episode because she was very. Um, uh, heavily,
0: yeah, uh, uh, big, featured in that episode. Episode, yeah,
2: and you know to look on it now, we loved it because we were howling with life. and the audience. Yeah. We had a we're in a big theater, and they were just howling too because it is literally uh, an Amos and Andy show. Yeah.
0: I can see it playing well as a Rocky Horror kind of thing, where you're oh, sitting yeah. there and mocking the episode. I mean,
2: there, I don't know if you remember. There was one episode. I mean, one part of the episode where we come into a dinner that they're having, a mm-hmm. festival, and and I didn't see this in the originally, but there's a guy juggling. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> a juggler. Wait. A and we, we stopped it. And I, a juggler, and this is kind of the mentality because I think it was from. All of the guys were from the 60s, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they still had that 60s mentality and that kind of, and so that was part of the transition, I think, the big transition was going from the kind of 60s, 70s kind of thought process to the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Not even 80s, but 90s. And I think once they got through that, then everything changed. So what was the episode that, for you, crystallized all that? That you went from
1: Code of Honor thinking, this is just not going to work, to the moment when you felt, oh,
2: this is working? Oh, I think um, uh, the episode where Tasha died.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that was Scare a real
2: transition mm-hmm. from what we had seen. I mean, it was really tragic that she died and she left the show because we all loved her. And I you know she, her part was amazing um but it was the death of a character right and how we dealt with that and i think that was kind of the the turning point for me
0: See, i would argue it even a little earlier and and you had mm-hmm. a lot to do with it which was that heart of glory mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is really the first episode that's I wouldn't say watchable, but it's a really there's something going on there. It's a little deeper, more complex that um, made it really compelling. I mean, I, I remember that being the first episode where I really felt, oh, I think that the show can you know can mm-hmm. really work. Um,
2: yeah, and it was it was because we're, we weren't dealing with uh, the the main characters are all these great characters. They're very, you know, uh, they're. they're uh, comrades in arms, you know, and we're going out there and it's fun and it's comfortable and all that. And this guy comes around and he's not that, you know, comfortable and he's, he killed the guy in the end, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't do that really in Star Trek, you know, you really kind of talk your way out of it and everything kind of comes out wonderful. and, And I think that's, that's part of what you're saying. But, but yeah, I think all of those episodes just kind of like, we were finding our legs finally mm-hmm. and i think by the end of it we went okay we'll go 2 years we won't go right. 1 year we'll <laughs> <Right>. go 2 <laughs> right years. right so
0: and by then you already had sort of uh, you know a healthy fan base where people were embracing the new characters mm-hmm. and of course i think it must have been you know, how long do you feel it took you to lock into the what you were playing? Like, did you find that you didn't have a good handle initially on the, or you immediately gravitated? You know, I get this character. You know, was it a process with you in terms of sort of discovering who Warf was?
2: Uh, not for not for me. I think the uh, I, I knew who Worf was in, uh, from the very beginning because uh, they didn't. Um, and you know what? I want you to do a gene. Eugene okay. and I'll tell you <laughs> what to say. Um, Command performance, but there was a process where I looked at the character. I looked at the other characters, and I saw, like I was saying earlier, that they were just wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The set was beautiful. It was comfortable. There was all this this really good thing, and they were, you know, relationships were happening, and they were laughing, and and I said, I'm going to do the opposite. Right. This is what this needs. This and um, and I uh, and I wanted to Gene because all they gave me was just a, a name on a page. And um, I said, Gene, wh- what do you want from this character? I mean, what do you want him to be? And he said, um, he well, he said, don't listen to anything you've heard before. Don't go by anything that anybody said. Just make the character your own. Mm. Just, just make it your own,
1: Michael. I want you to not listen to what anyone else has ever said about it, and I want you to just take the character and, and make it your own. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that tough. the way it happens? That's <laughs> just the way it happens. <laughs> that's just the way it happens. <laughs> and
2: interestingly enough, I mean, I, it goes deeper for me because that's what that's the genius of Gene. Yeah. Is that he knew television. He knew what how to make it work. He knew what to say to actors. And, rather, and, it, and it wasn't bullshit. Right. It was he had thought about it. It was something that he wasn't just going, oh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. And you could see that he wasn't just trying to figure out a way to get you, for you to get out of his office. Right. He had really thought about it. And he, if you came to him with, a, with an idea that he, he would go, okay you know right. that that he hadn't thought about he would go that's a good idea and go with it so
1: I think what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, some people think that data was the uh, was the Spock character in Next Generation mm-hmm. he's not Worf was because Worf was trying to balance his Klingonness mm-hmm. with trying to exist among humans mm-hmm. and it's sort of almost the same dynamic and the way you handled it was completely different yet enormously engaging and entertaining Mm -hmm. and I think that's what made everyone sort of gravitate toward your character
2: Mm -hmm. well they they had um, there was actually a a very good uh, and I I was going to say earlier that I I just gave them that blank slate you know, in terms of okay this is how I'm playing it and they just took off the writers just went mm-hmm. bonkers. I, I was really happy with what they did. And to get, an idea is that this is after Gene had passed and we were doing an episode where uh, the Romulan needs my blood to live and I go mm-hmm. no. know. Right. And I read the script and I went... And Rick Berman was the, the exec producer mm-hmm. at that time. So I went to Rick and I said, Rick, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, Worf is a... He's an officer, Starfleet, you know, and he's going to let this guy die that may, you know, stop a war, or, you know, or learn, st- you know, any of this, you know, the positive stuff. And uh, Rick said, "Michael, we just don't. We want the audience to realize that Worf isn't a human being." Right. And I went, "Okay," you know. I mean, it's a it's a perfect answer, and
0: it it was risky. I thought. Mm. But I think it worked really well. And I think great. that's what happened. And The Enemy is a great episode. I mean, it turned out so oh. well. And, and I think that's part of what makes it so memorable, too, is, is like you say, not giving the blood transfusion. Yeah. You know? and,
2: and Patrick and, and I, and uh, that scene where he goes, you know, oh, Mr. Wharf, And he, he, he says, I don't want to order you, but I want you to do it. And I go, no. <laughs> and he goes, okay, dismissed. Yeah. And I was looking to get off the hook. Right. Just order me to.
3: Right.
2: I'll do it. So it was I mean, that's what I'm talking about is that I didn't I think a lot of actors may go and not on our show, but a lot of actors will go into the producer and say, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this isn't working, this isn't working. Yeah. I, I never had that problem. It was right. just like I'd read a script and I'd go, Whoa, that's really great.
0: Yeah. It must be nice. To get a juicy scene like that, because of course it was a large ensemble, and each week would sort of focus on a different character, and you know a lot of times you know tailing frequencies open for all intents and purposes. So when you get those moments to really, uh, it it must have been really great. I mean, always fantastic.
2: And 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 I'm a like I said because of my experience before uh, on Chips and all these other shows. You know, I I knew that you know as a as a uh, as an also-starring, as they call it. Um, You know, there's seven people. You're not gonna get, every episode is not gonna be about you. In fact, there's gonna be some episodes where you are just hailing frequencies open. You know, Um, so I was always happy when uh, a part came along that had something really juicy. That, to me, was just worth it. I didn't, I wasn't, I'm a realist. You know, so I realize you can't do, you know, a wharf episode every time, Mm -hmm. but the ones I got were um, were
0: spectacular. Yeah, and it seemed like you know Maurice Hurley started to get a handle on the Klingons, Mm -hmm. but it was really Ron Moore Mm -hmm. who then took it and ran with it in such an exciting way. I mean, probably the most interesting arc of any of the characters on that show. Um,
2: Well, Marina is fond of saying that, um, you know. For an orphan, Worf has more relatives and wives and, <laughs> and, like, and than anybody Brown. else. You know, so uh, so yeah. So it, it is. It, I, I was I was extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate. And interestingly enough, after all this time, um, I realized that that Worf is a character who one of the only characters who does who has no fear. He literally has no fear about battles or anything like that. He he doesn't like relationships that much. Right. He fears that. He fears you know that whole relationship thing. But otherwise, he's just you know, so, so and and I would say that I had something to do with the initial part of it, but the writers were, I mean I I always love Ron more because whenever I see him walking around, hey Ron, how you doing? What's going on? Nothing much. We talk a little bit. Blah blah blah. And then, whenever I see him, that he grew a beard like a, <laughs> like, a like a goatee. I yeah. said, "It's a wharf episode coming up." He goes, "Yeah." <laughs> so, and he he oh
0: god, he wrote some just spectacular episodes. Spectacular. Yeah. It's it's interesting because, of course, look, it's it, m- most of the Star Trek cast. What you see on screen is not what really materialized off-screen. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the feuds amongst the original cast are legendary. I mean, some of the later casts, the, 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 it's not a love fest. But to this day, you guys are all so close. And, uh, you know, is part of that because, I mean, the kind of hours you were working, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's more than summer camp because, I mean, uh, people don't realize how brutal that schedule was on Next Generation, the kind of hours mm-hmm. you guys were... And this is back when people were shooting on film and one camera, and it was 26 episodes. 26 <laughs> episodes. And, I mean, for seven years, I mean, you saw, you know, these were your, you know, this is family. It's more mm-hmm. than just friends or coworkers. Yeah. Can you maybe speak to that? Because obviously Deep Space Nine, we'll get to that, was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a different <clears throat> legacy. A, um, but, uh, you know, it's amazing. And I think that really comes across on screen as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was uh, catching lightning in a bottle. I think that's all it is. Um, they, they, as producers, they don't really look at relationships with the with the actors. they they got their hands full trying to put on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is one of those things that just happened, um, and not only because we work together. That's you know people have worked together for seven years, never see each other again. Yeah. It just you know. Nothing bad about it, or yeah. it's just the you way it is. You move on; it's a very transient it's a life. Kind of yeah. Transient, a lot But for us, we really, really like each other. I mean, I mean, funny. Um, we get each other's humor. Uh, like Patrick says, we take the piss out of each other. If somebody is acting a little, you know, you kind of go, you know, could you give me a break with that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I don't. I, I can't explain the dynamics. I can I can I can explain the dynamics. No, wait. I can tell you the dynamics, <laughs> right. But I can't explain them. Right. Right. You know, because um it's just one of those things.
1: Talk a little bit about how those dynamics may have changed from when you started and uh, a few years through.
2: Um well, in, initially I was the outsider mm-hmm. literally because um the way it worked out is that they had already been working for, I think maybe two weeks, mm. like actually working. They had been as a crew longer than that because um, it took two or three months for the for the cast to be set. Right. So they had gone through the audition process together. They were taking pictures together. Mm-hmm. So they knew each other very well. And uh, the thing about Gene and this whole Klingon thing was that people kept asking him,
3: right.
2: where's the Klingons? Who? Where are the Klingons? Are they out there? Are they there? What's happening? And he got really tired of hearing that. Right. So he said, oh, the Klingon is on the bridge. And they went, what? You know, I mean, it was like, you got to be joking. But that was, he said, right. things move on. Things, You know, time goes on. It's not going to be the same thing. And so they had a, it was an afterthought. Right. And they called and within a week i think it was a week i was in makeup working on the set mm-hmm. and they didn't tell anybody who i was or anything right not because it was a plan they just we right. hey, were busy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. go over there stand <laughs> yeah. and and do some acting right we got to write the next episode and so that ha- is how and i just showed up and i started acting and i think everybody kind of went oh He's on the show every week. Right? right. What you know, and he, over time, I'd say probably th- four or five episodes, I sort, I sort of, you know, wiggled my way into the, into the group, mm-hmm. um, and once I was in there, um, I, I think this is a good lesson. I don't try to be. You know, like part of the group, like they're talking off the ones themselves. Hey, so what are you talking about? You know, hey guys, <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't do that. Uh, I was just, you know, just kind of doing my thing, and um, and so that's how it that's how it kind of happened. I think after, once again, after the the show that you were speaking about, um, Heart of Glory. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And when um, Tasha died. I think that's when they kind of got it that, oh, not only is he part of the group, but he's a viable part of the group. Right. You know. Although Patrick for seven years would always say whenever he called Wharf, this is not on camera, he'd go, Acting temporary lieutenant, you know. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <acting> <laughs> Warf.
0: It's it's funny because I know he's very, you know, open about the fact that he says, "I, you know, I was quite the pompous ass when I started. You know, because he came from doing theater and was very serious, and that he just couldn't resist. You know, between you and John and everybody, you know, lightening up, and and, and you kind of see it in the character, and you, you yeah. see it in his interviews, and um, it's it's uh, it's an interesting transition that he yeah. went through.
2: Oh yeah, no, he was. I I wouldn't say he was a pompous ass. I just think that that um, when you come from th- from the theater." you know and from um, from his his background um, you you have a very serious take on on everything mm-hmm. and um, but he, there's a there was always a side of him that was you could see and i just call it the twinkle in his eye mm-hmm. but it wasn't that that in the background i mean he would say some stuff and do some stuff and it was hilarious uh-huh.
1: You, you can know. see that twinkle in some of the bloopers uh, that oh. have been released. It's 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 so it's brilliant, lovely. Because mm-hmm. he's going,
2: sir, you know,
0: and captain, you know, and this, and all of a sudden he.
1: he turns into the little boy and goes, mm.
3: but in
0: a way, that seriousness gave him the gravitas that that role needed. Sure. Oh, you know, no.
2: because, I always yeah. say that 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 there was when I saw who it was, you know, when I I went, I wasn't, I didn't judge it. But I said that's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they chose him. Uh, and there was an episode where he had this big long speech that he did at the horseshoe. I mean, he went mm-hmm. all around the bridge and did this speech, and it was a beautiful speech. <laughs> I mean, I was like, "Oh, that's what, that's why <laughs> that's they hired does, him." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. and it was the first season, so I, I, it had to be the third episode, I think. So, so I kind of I you know they did a, a very risky cuz once again the fans were going where's the hair mm-hmm, you know i mean th- that's the thing that he's supposed to be and i think that that that's that's the whole thing about Gene is that he, and, and bob bob justman mm-hmm. is that they just went no no this is different you know
0: i love how much respect you, you, your cast has for Gene, and it's kind of the, like the last generation of people that worked with him that really knew him. And uh because you know, obviously, you know Bill and Leonard, in retrospect, aren't huge fans of them. They never were. I mean, Bill wrote, made a whole documentary how much he hates Gene. Mm-hmm. And um you know, the Deep Space Nine cast didn't really know him, but you know, you and and, and Jonathan and you know have have really you know kept the torch burning for him mm-hmm. because our a whole generation now people don't even know who Gene Roddenberry no. was and it's it's kind of wonderful the amount of respect and and then of course Bob Justman also oh yeah. um you know who uh, was such an important part of the success of the original series and you know got the ship off to sea in, in the case sure. of what you guys did well, um I
2: think that, I think that um
0: for me, I only talk for myself. Is that I,
2: I you know, you 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 kind of revere what he's done in the past because I was a big fan of the show and I like and I, I like the movies. You know, there was a couple, but um, you know, Wrath of Khan I thought was was that one to me was the best Star Trek up until First Contact. Mm-hmm. So you kind of had this sort of thing for him, but um, but I like smart guys. You know, I I, I don't I don't like to be bullshitted. You know, and once you see the eyes going, um, you know, you go, oh, OK, here we go. And I and I lose respect because, you know, at least if you're in that position, you know, know what you're talking about.
3: Mm-hmm. You know? I and mean, Jean I, was I, I, I like
2: to do that myself. I, I wouldn't if somebody said, well, Michael, what do you think about this? I said, I don't know about it, but give me a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: right. and I'll go on my thing.
2: OK, this is what, you know. So that's what I
0: got from him. And and. He was smart, and I like that. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that you probably sure. haven't been asked before, because uh, this, when we're recording this, Saturday is the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. You're an original Star Trek fan. Yes. Tell us about your first experience seeing Star Trek The Motion Picture and what you thought of it, if you recall. Um, I thought it was really good. I liked
2: it. You're preaching to the choir. One I of us. I liked it a lot. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a nice introduction. Um, and I thought it was um, one of the best endings ever. Mm. The reveal when, when Collins so and and Persis Kambata, I just went. Uh, I mean, it literally, you kind of go. I want to be there. Right. I want to be one of them. And um, and I thought it was. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Thought Do you remember
0: where you saw it? When you saw it?
2: Uh, it was in Pasadena, at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was on a date, and uh, it was one of the, it was one of the big theaters in Pasadena because that's where I grew up, and and that's where I saw it. Uh, I mean, 77? 79. 79,
0: yeah. 79? Yeah, yeah. Saturday is the fortieth anniversary.
2: Oh, wait, what was seventy-seven? Star, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Thank you.
0: Okay, yeah. So so that and was. And damnation Alley. Yeah. <laughs> huh? <Yeah. laughs> damnation Alley. <laughs> no, that yeah, was. The the movie that Fox thought was going to be the big hit that summer. Yeah, yeah,
2: that that shows what what they know. Yeah, it, it, yeah well, you exactly. know, Michael,
1: uh, uh, studio people don't often know what they're talking about, <laughs> but that's all right. We still have to deal with them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's good. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Uh-huh. I love that, especially the end. But. We've got to deal with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you got, and then of course, you know, we talked about you saw Star Trek: The Motion Picture on a date. You right. love Star Trek Two. <clears throat> Come Star Trek Six, you get offered a role. You offered a role,
2: and uh, it was a, a wonderful role. It wasn't a starring role, but it was a nice little meaty thing. I thought it was thought it was wonderful. You're your own grandpa. I'm a right? grandpa, and I'm and I'm and I'm, you know in there yeah. you know yeah. it was very funny i lost uh and as i was walking past deforest and um and uh and uh bill deforest goes hey he was he was he he just gave me so much shit for it was so funny he goes hey uh give me your card you're really good <laughs> you know i to I want to recommend you to some people. Because <laughs> I lost big. And then Nick Meyer came down and he was saying, OK, Michael, I want you to do this, you know, that this line. He, and he did something with his hands. And I go, I'm
3: doing like this. You know, I'm trying to figure out. And
2: DeForest goes, not at all like you practiced last night, huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was. He was funny. Yeah, but there was, a, there was a great fan moment because i i was once again the, one of the, a big fan i'd never went to the conventions but i was there and um there was a moment when we were shooting one of the last scenes in the big hall at kittimer or whatever the case and and they had the, the guest stars on one side of this room and they had um uh the cast on the other side of the room and it was they were all there Right. And I'm sitting there on the guest stars and I'm just, you know, sitting there looking around or whatever the case and I look and they're all there. Right. And I'm in a scene with all of them. And they were I gotta tell you something, they were all talking and joking and laughing and having a great time. And I just had a a moment where I went, Holy Mother of Pearl. There's Scotty. And so you know, yeah. and I'm pointing them out, and I'm doing their voices, yeah. you know. I, mean, yeah. I didn't do decent brand of Scotch to do that, you know. What are you Captain? I mean, I was just going on and on and on. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer, you know. I mean, it, and that was my moment of like, okay, you know. This, this, is, this is one of those moments in Hollywood that you, it doesn't
0: come along. Well, And the studio had made no secret of the fact that this was the last film. Yep. It was the 25th mm-hmm. anniversary, mm-hmm. and then it was over for the original. Yes. And it, the success of Next Generation at that point had clearly put the final nail in the coffin for the mm-hmm. original as well. So not a bad way, just that not a bad you know, way, they yeah. now had a new franchise uh, with a, a younger cast. So mm-hmm. um, that must just have been absolutely in- incredible for you. Well,
2: it, I, I I felt a little
0: bad mm. because um,
2: because they it was their last movie,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and you know some people take it differently, but I felt eh, I didn't want to you know like be dancing around their graves, saying sure. hey look at us, you mm-hmm. know. Right. So, but I felt a little bad about that. Um, although I felt that we should have gone ten years with the movie. I mean, with the TV show,
0: Mm. right? And then done the movie. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, that uh, whole—I don't know how to describe Mm -hmm. um, it—that time when you were finishing the season, the seventh season, Mm -hmm. which was brutal on all of you, Mm -hmm. um, and segueing directly into the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, and they had the spinoffs going and everything—it was just crazy. It was crazy not to have any time between the the two and then to 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 rush this movie into production mm-hmm. uh which i mean i'm sure it's nice for the bank account but from you know not to have that chance to decompress and obviously to have chance for rewrites and all that it's just mm-hmm. it's it's, it's got to be tough and I, you you've been <clears throat> critical of that movie in the past I know I mean the generations w- uh, you know was not and and as have Brandon and Ron at the, in retrospect mm-hmm. um you know what was your feeling about that as it was all coming to an end you didn't yet know that deep space 9 was in your future
2: no not at all and, and but it was it was it was fantastic for us cuz we were like going you know we were going to still see each other for another year you know yeah and um and work is always good yeah, yeah. work is always good, especially sure. when a series is over mm-hmm. you go right to a movie about that I mean that that's that was very good that was very good I I thought that that there's a certain thing that happened in the business back at the times we were talking about when MGM was MGM and Paramount yeah. was Paramount where there were you know one guy basically who was head of television or mm-hmm. head of this and they go you know but you know, things changed a lot, and I think that that was where they started to st- milk that cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to milk that cow until it died, you know, as as hard as they could,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know. The hand was on the udders. <laughs> you know,
2: just not, not thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, if we... Stretch this out and take it easy and let things handle. You know, we can milk this cow for another 50 years, yeah. you know. We don't have to do it right now for the next, you let know. Let the audience want it more. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I was, we were, and we were all shocked that they canceled it. Shocked. Because we're going, we really hit our stride. Mm. I mean, who, who in their right mind cancels a show? At the, at the
3: height.
0: Right. The, the year it gets nominated for an Emmy, the height of its popularity, the ratings were not going down, they were going oh, up.
2: Oh, and, yeah. and the, the, I mean, we went, when we started doing the conventions, there was like, you know, in a room like this size, and we were doing, <laughs> it sounds like a band, we were selling out the right. yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, huge things at the time. And you're, and you're going, I, I never understood that. I never understood it.
0: That was the apex. I mean, you were on yeah. the cover of Newsweek, uh, or Time, Time. Uh, but I remember the conventions at the time. It was the first and last time we saw lots of families. Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was, Star Trek had gone so mainstream, in a good way, mm-hmm. where you saw the next generation literally coming to the conventions, and it had transcended the cult, at, you know, uh, and it was really remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of the zenith, because then after that, there was, you know, a, a slow...
2: Well, well, they they had. Um, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think um, first contact was actually the that was the second zenith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because sure, um, and it wasn't because of any. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why, but uh, from from our last year, our seventh season to first contact. People who never watched Star Trek were watching Star Trek. Mm-hmm. People who were like maybe science fiction fans, but they they didn't watch Star Trek. Or people would say, "Hey, you got to go see this movie. Right? It's really good, you know." Or, "Oh man!" And I think that was where uh, the zenith of that was. But I think you're right. You're totally right. I mean, I I thought that they could have gone
0: at least three more years and. Did you, you know, a lot of people they talk about the season, the third season of Next Generation being a game changer mm-hmm. for the franchise, you know, when Michael Pillar came in and did you have a sense of it when you were making it that the 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 scripts were getting better or did you feel that way that mm-hmm. that there was this this seismic shift and sort of the show that it had found its legs, or was that something that only in retrospect that people discovered?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a, a bunch of things happened after the second season, which is that we got a new uh, director of photography, right? Yeah. And if you look at the uh, the shows, uh, they're very '60s oriented lighting, mm-hmm. and when when uh, Marvin Rush came in, it became a different deal, um, and I think that. That, you, along with the writing and every everything, had shifted. Um, there were there were still some clunkers. Um, Twenty six episodes. they're mm-hmm. always going to be. There's always. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, we had one really good thing, which was Patrick, mm-hmm. because Patrick would go, "This makes no sense," you know, and he would really fight for better writing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, no, that doesn't make any sense uh we could say occasionally you know why am i saying this why am i standing here that, right. you know but patrick was the one that was able to to really say and because he had become super popular very sure. quickly they had to listen to him and i think that was part of uh of the success
0: of being able to make that transition mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. you don't hear that side of it <clears throat> much that's no no, no. um and uh, of course, then the show comes to an end, and uh, you get on a show that some of us would argue is even better than Next Generation. Mm-hmm. But you probably didn't feel that way at first. I mean, I, I imagine when you got offered Deep Space Nine, you know, what would obviously, again, great gig, you know, but you knew why you were there to help the flagging ratings, the beloved character. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? And was there an arc for you in terms of? You know, going in like, I'm going here to save the show, and then eventually discovering, hey, this is a pretty good show. Wait, I'm getting to do cooler things than I got to do on the yeah, other show. It
2: was um, it was super interesting because um, it, it, talk about money and, and all that type of stuff and work is that I, w- I just screamed and yelled that I wasn't going to do makeup anymore.
0: Right. I'll go to the movies, <laughs> but I'm never going to do that. I'm right. never going
2: to do the show. And I got a call from the, the producer in 95, and I was in Baltimore doing a video game, you know, mm. and he calls and I'm going, yeah, hey, you know, how much? <laughs> what? And uh, it's kind of. Let me kind put of, Mr. Dorn on
3: the phone. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind
2: of a joke. We didn't talk about money, but I was surprised at how easily I went, oh, okay, mm-hmm. when he asked me what I what I consider it. And, um, and yeah, I did know that it was going to be. Um, it was going to be a little rough because anytime and I've seen this before I saw it a little bit on our show when they changed doctors and I mm-hmm. saw it um, on on other shows too when a new character comes in who is really there to save the show yeah. and, as they say yeah. um, there's a there could be a lot of animosity and so I figured that that was possibly going to happen but also it was a great challenge Mm -hmm. because that, no matter what anybody told you, the producer, anybody, they were, I was in there to try to help with the ratings. Now, if I did, great. They'd hate my guts for it, (laughs) but, and if I didn't, then I'd be just an overpaid asshole, you know? So it's just one of those things where you had to, you know, it why would, not do both? Why not? So I was, so it was, it was a great challenge, and I, I absolutely loved it, absolutely. But I got to say that that one of the first meetings that I had with him was about the makeup, about how to, you know, in Next Generation I was on the bridge all the time, so I was in makeup even if I didn't have a line right, all day. Right. So I said, guys, you got to change this. And I said, well, Michael, our show isn't like that, so we'll work with it. And I said the second thing is I just don't want to be standing around. Right. I mean, if, if you're gonna do this, and they did promise a bunch of shows, uh, they, didn't, they didn't follow through with as many as they said they were gonna have, because mm-hmm. they put a bunch on their board, oh, we're gonna do, you know, and it didn't. And that, that was another good lesson. Is, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never believe the showrunner. <laughs> no, <Never.
2: laughs> believe the showrunner. Have it in the contract. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Have spell it out, mm-hmm. and and so, so that was. Um, but they did the things I did. Once again, like I said, the things I did were spectacular, and I, there were some great shows. But I thought the two Klingon episodes, the Soldiers of the Empire, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. More into the Breach, mm-hmm. were just amazing. Yeah. And John Calicos and his last. Yeah. I mean he had a, there was a scene where he just broke my heart and he came in afterwards really good guy and he goes Michael what do you th- you're a director what do you think I ought to do with it I said you just broke my heart do anything you want you know I mean you could go this way you could go this way it doesn't matter man you're just you're killing it
1: but make it yours but make, it, <laughs> make it, uh, but make it your
0: own. <laughs> he he was so underrated as an actor. I mean, oh, he's oh, so great. So I mean, amazing. you look at him in uh, the remake of Postman Always Rings Twice mm-hmm. and with Nicholson and Jessica Lang, and he's so obviously brilliant in Star Trek. And well,
2: the, if it, you know, the scene where he leaves, he he anesthetizes me, and then he mm-hmm. gets on the transporter room, and he says, "Long live the Empire." It was it wasn't long live the Empire. It was this sort of, long live the Empire. It was. I I can't, I can't describe it. You know, I can't say, oh, this was what. Oops, this was why he did it. I just couldn't describe it. It was brilliant. It was just
0: brilliant. Well, and here you are working with an actor you respect, but at the same time, it brings the baggage of this was a guy you grew up with as a kid watching on TV. You know what? You, know? you
2: just you just you just bring your A game yeah. every time. That's all you
0: got to do, and let the chips fall where they may. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. chips. <laughs> yeah. See how he worked that in there? Mm-hmm. Um that's, you know, and that's a heartbreaking episode. It's a heartbreaking episode. It is a
2: heartbreaking episode. It was a brilliant episode and it was um it w had it, and Ron is great. Um he's from the old school because uh his his shows have a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. There's a story. And all the other stuff goes around it, but there's a story there. And um and it was um super brilliant. I mean, Soldiers of the Empire, same thing, just, you know.
0: Now, directing-wise, you Mm -hmm. know, when when directing school, quote-unquote, opened for business on Next Gen, and obviously, you know, Jonathan paved the way for that, but, you know, so many great directors have come out of, you know, the opportunities that you got to give Rick credit for. uh, But uh, you didn't direct on Next Gen, but you did direct on Deep Space Nine. What was... When did you decide you wanted to direct, and 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 why haven't you done more of it? Is
2: it um, good? Uh, very good question. I I've always wanted to direct. That's why I got the business. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. It wasn't to be an actor; it was to be a director. I went to school for it, and when I came out, I got a job on this on the show. They allowed me. They said, "Well, you can come. You can work in the background. You know, on in the newsroom on Mary Tyler Moore Show." Mm-hmm. And, but you can shadow our directors. You can see what it's like from the other side, and. Get a good handle on level, And so, uh, and anyway, long story short, uh, I transitioned to acting on that. But I always wanted to direct. In fact, the first year when the show was going to go, I think after the pilot, uh, Rick says, so I guess you want more money now, you know? I said, no, I want to direct. And he goes, oh. And basically, (laughs) um, I couldn't find the time Mm -hmm. because I was in makeup the whole time. I couldn't. Leave and go to, you know, to school. Crap and yeah, yeah. Just couldn't do it. And so when I got back to deep space, then I said, okay, yeah, and I'm in the contract, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I was able to do it. And I'm glad it I'm glad it I'm glad it happened like that, because I don't think I would have been ready until deep space. I, I, I there there's a lot that goes on with with directing. Especially television, yes. which is politics. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have to go into a show and understand the politics. You you don't have any power whatsoever. Right. None. You're just there to make sure that the 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 cameras are set, and you finish your day, and yep. you give them what they get want. Get it done.
0: Yep. And if yeah, you that's... get the showrunners the footage they need, and uh, the cast yeah. likes you, you're invited back. And, and if not <laughs> do not do not shoot what you want <laughs> you
2: know cuz you could tell I told them a couple of times I'd like to shoot this and they go oh that would be great and then they go you got to reshoot that mm. I'm like but you said it would be great <laughs> you know so so you really and I and I got that and it was a a great experience so when I left deep space I worked two shows and I had a ball it was mm. uh uh, VIP with uh, oh yeah, sure Pamela Anderson and yeah. um, uh, Faith and Hope Hope and mm. Faith uh, sitcom <clears throat> in New York, which was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, but th- I the 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 other part of that question is that uh, directing is really tough. It's tough to get a job. Right. Um, you have to be um, right place, right time, yeah. and um, you have to have a, a champion. Yeah, like the showrunner sure has to want you. I went to when I went to VIP I said um, th- this guy I know Mark, Morgan Morgan Udell. Udell. Yeah, Morgan Udell. And uh yeah. he says, "So Michael, he was asking me all these technical questions and, and acting and all." Uh, I said, "You know, Morgan, this is meaningless." I said, "All that really matters is if you
0: want to hire me." <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that's kind of true.
2: <laughs> 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 I that's, a, that's good, you know?
3: So,
0: But what's great, I mean, it's like you look at an episode you did like in the cards, which is great, it's kind of screwball comedy mm-hmm. and it's like, you, you're so facile because you did a couple, you did three episodes but the different, each one's a different genre and I, it's a testament partially to what you brought also to the show mm-hmm. and how the show was so diverse in terms yeah. of the storytelling that one week could be, you know, a James Bond spoof and the mm-hmm. next week it's, you know. Uh, yeah. You
2: know. Well, I, I, and and I still, I'm holding out hope to to, um, to direct again. I mean, both of those shows, VIP and Hope and Faith, had, had talked to my agents about, hey, Michael did such a great job. We gave him two rough episodes, mm-hmm. and he did it, and we're very happy with it. We're going to make a deal with him. And both shows were canceled.
0: And right. VIP was not an easy show to direct because no. it was six days, I think. I think yeah. there were six-day schedules, and Pam was a handful. And, well, I, and
2: it was... Six uh, six or seven, but the seventh day was a half a day. Right. Mm. You finish and then the other director. And they they gave you $800,000. They gave you everything you needed. I mean, they were very helpful in terms of, but that was it. Yeah. Right. And I, I loved it. It was amazing. And she was great. She wasn't what anybody says. I mean, there was one scene where it, it just wasn't going to work out. You know, the way we had set Right, it up. sure. And they said, Michael, you know, we got to turn this around. I went, really? I thought you'd, no, no, no. And she was due on the set. And they were all kind of going, oh, God, you know, what's going to happen? And she comes in. I go, you know, Pamela, I'm so sorry. We have to change this around. Can you give us a few minutes? And she goes, oh, okay. And just walks mm-hmm. over. Right, nice.
0: She was fine. And then the other thing you had in your contract on Deep Space Nine, maybe in retrospect, you wish you didn't, was uh, that you, ha- you know, make sure that you would not be excluded from any future Star Trek movies. Um, so you, and you know, could do Insurrection and do um, Nemesis. I-, I wanted briefly, because we don't have a lot of time, to talk mm-hmm. about Nemesis uh, and, you know, bring somebody in from outside the family, in the case of Stuart Baird, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it kind of you know, at the time, looked like this could be the end for Star Trek. Uh, it, it turned out that it wasn't, but it yeah. could have very easily been. What were kind of your feeling about um, that whole experience of doing, you know, sort of Nemesis and, and working with, uh, you know, Stewart, who clearly had no interest in uh, the the way fr- the franchise had been done, uh, you know, servicing sort of the needs of of a mm-hmm. Star Trek movie. And yeah. I'm just curious in retrospect.
2: Oh, I, I John, Johnny did a, a- spectacular job with first contact mm-hmm. and I thought it was you know obvious that he should be doing the movies yeah. you know and so when they brought in Stewart who like you said who clearly didn't know and didn't really care really that yeah. much about it um, that it was it was problematic at best Uh, I think that, um, and also that the the show had taken on a different life. Um, It truly became the Data Picard show. And once again, you look at First Contact, which was the most successful of our show, um, everybody was included, you know, everybody had, you know it was a story. Right. Everybody was included in the story. There wasn't anybody that was just sort of. And when it got to um, Stuart Baird and also the last movie,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it was clearly that we weren't a part of that anymore. It was really the data Picard show. And I think that that's where they they miscalculated because I think that everybody has their favorite in in next okay. generation. You know, no matter what it is, everybody has their favorite, and as long as you, everybody is
0: working together, I think that um, it it um, it would abode well. It's a fundamental misunderstanding. Whereas the original Star Trek, it is the troika: it's Kirk, it Spock, and McCoy with the supporting. Next Generation is a very different beast, and right. you can't apply the original Star Trek yeah. paradigm to the next end. The it is a true ensemble show, yeah. and every character is is beloved by different people. Yeah, and um, also
2: the in. Nemesis. Now, which one is the, not the, what's the second to last one? Uh, Insurrection. Insurrection. (laughs) Insurrection. Jonathan did insurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once again, it it became a, there was a scene where I had a a change I wanted to make and they said, nope, say the line the way it is. And I went, but it doesn't fit. They go, we don't care.
0: You know? right, yeah. But Jonathan had to direct that with one hand tied behind his back. I mean oh. you know, obviously all the pillar stuff and then sort of what Patrick wanted out of it and just that was it was it a was, recipe for disaster. It
2: was it was rough. It was rough. Um I don't I mean, and it's not my me saying this. It was that was the last. I mean, Paramount was done with next generation. Right. I mean, seriously done. Like once again, you know, scraping the names <laughs> right, off, the, right. off the parking
0: spaces. <laughs> Don't call us, we'll call Oh you. my
2: yeah. God. They sold everything and yep. just mm-hmm. oh this is yeah, you know. And so um so it was very interesting that when JJ Abrams goes, uh well oh, JJ, we love you. We'll give you three movies, whatever you want to oh. do, whatever it is, I want to do a Star Trek. And they went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's Star we- Trek? We just we just <laughs> you know. sold everything, you know. I mean, so so it it is it is quite the quite the interesting.
0: Well, it's another example of just you know the the, the franchise has just been treated by such dis- with such disdain. Yeah. you know, it always was the also ran. It's like uh, you know, getting less money than comparable franchises and getting less respect, and you know, and then now it's all about you know now it's oh well, we have to have this A-lister, you know, because. That's then that, that it's yeah. respectable, <laughs> you yeah. know.
2: Well, I think, and and a lot of that is just because of they they just, after twenty years, they saw that they were making a fortune, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, right. on yeah. these things uh, on science fiction and all that, and they and everybody changed. Everybody went, oh, we got to have more science fiction. Right.
0: Do you still follow Star Trek at all, or is it sort of not anything that really interests uh, you, know, you in its new iterations? I
2: follow. I follow. Fairly closely the the um, evolution of the Picard show Mm -hmm. because I've always been a a Patrick Stewart fan.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm an I'm an Anglophile anyway. Right. But um, but I've always been a a a fan of his. And um, from what I've heard, it's going to be. I thought it was a great idea. Um, The other show's Discovery. I you know they actually asked me to be on discovery uh, mm. the business part of it didn't work out right but um uh, they they had let go a bunch of people brian fuller they yeah. you know so i got, i think i got thrown out with the with the bathwater uh but um it's it's a little difficult to to latch on to yeah. you know i think the actors are wonderful and sure I think it's a, you know, all of that, um, the original script for the for Discovery, I thought was, you know, a great script. Yeah. Well, Brian had a very different vision for it. He had it, a very yeah. different vision, yeah. You know, uh-huh. uh, and on everything, and um, so, I, I just haven't been able to latch on to it. But that doesn't—that's not about Star Trek. That's just about my life
0: right now. Sure. Sure. We, I look, I mean, it's it's. You know, we all have different passions. I mean, you—you you, we've talked about this many times, you know, for some people, you know, people are offended by Martin Scorsese saying Marvel movies are mediocre. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, and, and it's just, it's, uh, mm-hmm. everyone has their, their passions. Yeah. Speaking of which, before yes. we wrap up, you know, we started by saying, you know, what a huge fan you are of, of film and, 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 and favorite movie, favorite director.
2: Oh, um, gosh. Do I need one? Nah, you can (laughs) cheat. Okay, thanks. Um, The John Ford Westerns, Mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, uh, William Wyler, uh, Best Years of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Then you got into um, uh, John Wayne's Rio Bravo, Mm -hmm. all-time favorite, one of my all-time favorites. After that, um, it was just sort of like, eh, and then I saw The Godfather. I thought Godfather 1 and 2 are the, the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Ever. Um, and then, once again, there was a whole time of, yeah, you know. Of course, Star Wars. Uh, the, the first three I saw, I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. Still watching to this day. Um, the um, Wrath of Khan. Still watching to this day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was a... A whole section of, okay, you know, decent films, then you know, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. um, Field of Dreams, yeah. mm-hmm. excellent, uh, and then uh, Tarantino,
0: which, which we talked about off air, uh, Inglourious Trexperts, obviously our little, uh, little homage to uh, Quentin, and,
2: and and a little side note, um, Brad Pitt has always been a good actor,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but. He hit his stride in that movie. He was just like, and I'm looking at him going, "What the hell is he doing?" You know, <laughs> I mean, he's doing all this brilliant. Um, so the Tarantino movies are. I mean, I, I guess, I guess I'd have to say Tarantino is my favorite director mm-hmm. ever. Um, and um, and then Clint Eastwood's The Unforgiven, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. We have him on the wrong show. We should I have know. him on 430 movie I instead know. of on uh oh. 4.30 movie.
2: Come back. I'd love to come because that's 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 my thing. I mean, and um now there isn't there isn't a lot. Um Have you seen Parasite I, yet?
0: Huh? Have you seen Parasite, no. the Korean film? It's wonderful. Really good. Parasite. Oh, really good. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh but,
2: but my Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I got what he does sometimes. I know what he does, you know, because I was explaining to somebody. He says, his thing is, what if, right. you know, like with unglorious Bastards, what if Hitler mm-hmm. was killed early? What if the Manson family went to the wrong fucking house, you know, <laughs> right. and they ran into these yeah. you, know, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, You know, you kind of go, ah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a Tarantino fan. No, that's great. In and fact, I'm writing a Western right now. Oh, really? That's nice. a that's a, so much. In fact, the lead character is Quentin. <laughs>
0: oh, <Awesome>. that's hysterical. <laughs> that's yeah. hysterical. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know if you saw uh, Roland Emmerich's Midway, but John Ford is briefly, they have John Ford, you know, when he's doing the Battle of oh, yeah, Midway in there, the middle, which yeah. I which is, you know, it's a small little part of the movie, but it's great to have the, the, yeah. the, the, the John <laughs> Ford moment there, ro- rolling camera and all that. But, uh, yeah, John Ford's somebody who, unfortunately, you know, uh, not that this becomes a get-off-my-lawn conversation right. that people today don't know as well as they should, mm-hmm. and it's just, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe they aren't comfortable with the politics or something with the searcher, but you can hate John Wayne's politics and still love his movies, yeah. you
2: know. Oh, no, no. I, and and um, uh, I thought that The Shootist... If I have to die, that's the way i want to die. <laughs> I mean not I mean not, not, not literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean you know, right now. we hold you to it, <laughs> yeah. Michael. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> you know right. the idea that 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 was my last movie mm-hmm. right. and it's about a guy who's dying. Right. And he is he is I think it's one of his best performances yeah. just because Absolutely. it is it is so real and so and he he basically at the end of it says all this shit I've done before, you know, the, and as John Wayne, too, I think. Right. Mm. Throw it all away because it really is not the way
0: that you want to people to be well we we love westerns here on the show and in fact we did an episode on have Gun, will travel oh, which yeah. in so many ways was the precursor to the original Star Trek so many people worked on that worked mm-hmm. on Star Trek and there are episodes where you literally see like the the roots of the germ the seed of Star Trek and have Gun, will travel and it's just such a great Western sure. mm-hmm. and so economical in a half hour you just oh, tell these God. really amazing oh, stories.
2: I watched one of those and uh, there was like you could tell they were just making it for like practically nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nobody on the street, and, you know. People right. were standing around, <laughs> it. So, but it didn't matter. Same no. with the next, with the original series. I mean, it didn't matter that they didn't have, you know, no. real tricorders and and screens. You know, they just had pictures of things up. It didn't yeah. matter.
1: It's just because it was because it, it, it was about the story. Yeah. It was about the people. It, it's, it's, people it's, it's about people.
0: <laughs> I, I wish you'd
1: remember that, Michael. It's, it's about people. It's not, it's not about the laser guns. It's about, it's about how we deal with each other.
0: with laser guns. Look, we could have talked to you for another three hours, but uh, someone has a brunch to go to, so we're not going to. But thanks so much for uh, joining us. And thank you, audience, for joining us for another episode of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Search's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, in which a panel of filmmakers curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies, which we just did every Friday, (laughs) as well as The uh, Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday. And of course, Best Movies Never Made, Every other Monday, which is terrific if you haven't checked it out. Check out Best Movies Never Made. They're, they're on fire lately. They've done some really great episodes. Someone better put them out. They, indeed. <laughs> and also, you can stream video podcasts of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts on Electric Now by downloading the Stir, Zumo, or Distro TV app on your tablet, phone, or TV and the Electric Now app, which will be coming soon to your app store. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And finally, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric and producers Natalie Muscali. Natalie, good episode, huh? Very good. Michael is charming and fascinating and uh, really uh, (laughs) a delight to have on the show. And, of course, Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. So until next time, keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course, engage.